0: Hello, what? Whatever it is, I'm liking it!
1: Ben, do you ever think about what a female version
2: of you would be like? Ah, uh, the age old Bugs Bunny paradox. Um I I do not. No, I do not. <laughs> but Okay, but well, that's fair. How about you? Uh, not really.
1: Uh, you know, my, I don't, is there a, is there a, like a, a, an equivalent to the Kinsey scale in terms of where you fall on the gender spectrum? I don't really know the answer to that question. I don't know. uh, Yeah. I, I'm, I'm fortunate, you know, I'm, I'm just a cis dude. I don't have to think too hard about it, but you know, I've got one of those names of course that can easily be turned into Uh, a traditionally female name as, uh, growing up in the age of it's Pat or whatever that person was called on Saturday Night Live was, it could be a little rough sometimes, but I don't think that I've really given a whole lot of thought to what a female version of myself would be either. Obviously Patricia or just Pat, uh, would be the name, but in terms of
2: characteristics, I don't know, uh... I've never, I've never thought about it myself either. And, uh, I'll, I do know that like, I do know, I think like your parents probably did. I think that's the thing is like they had a plan. They had a plan either way, like depending on, uh, what gender you presented as at birth, like I'm sure they had a name and everything ready to go. Do you happen to know if it was also just going to be like Patricia or if there was another name entirely? I have no idea about that. I, I have to assume that since my
1: sister is called Jacqueline, and that's my grandmother and my mother's name, that I almost certainly would have been a Jacqueline were I to have had female sex characteristics at birth. Sure.
2: Uh, I don't know the name. I know my parents did have another name ready to go if I did not show up as Ben, but I don't know what it was. But i that's the only thing that I know of where, like, someone thought about it at some point. So I don't think about it, but I know that my mom did. She had to. Did you see that uh,
1: a gender reveal party, which in my opinion are sort of metaphorical disasters, actually turned into a literal disaster when yeah. some fool <laughs> shot at a target yeah. that exploded blue smoke and then
2: started like a 72,000
1: acre wildfire in Arizona?
2: Yes, I did see that. It was, uh, I think he was a U.S. Uh, border patrol agent actually oh god of course he was um uh, well he still is uh well i don't know actually he still is yeah he uh yeah they they set up some target made out of some explosive material laced with like a a colored a colored agent and yeah it, they're having a boy uh i know that um they also had a forty seven thousand acre wildfire yeah uh, so what do you think? Uh, I, I'm generally opposed
1: to gender reveal parties in the first place because I don't think that you can know a child's gender until that child chooses to express gender characteristics, how uh, they see fit. Yeah. But yeah, shooting things and blowing them up and starting wildfires is a great way
2: to make it even worse. Uh, could we spend, I don't know, half a minute thinking up fun names for that kid? Based on based on the only thing based on the only things we know about him, which are uh that um, his parents started a wildfire. His dad probably, really mostly. And and they are certainly
1: going to insist that he uh express male gender characteristics, I would
2: assume. Uh yeah. Um yeah. So let's 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 go with male names just because uh and oh man and I'm putting myself- so the first one I'm coming
1: up with is a is a callback to one of my favorite cartoons when I was a young boy,
2: and you could call him Wheeler. Okay, yeah, uh, Dusty maybe. I'm thinking. Oh, go- that's good. There's like yeah. a wildfire. Uh, hmm. <laughs> you could call him Pop. <laughs> yeah. You could call him. Oh, you, you could call you could call him uh, two hundred twenty thousand dollars worth. Of damages because that is what (laughs) his uh, parents have to pay. They had to pay a hundred thousand dollars now.
1: Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't read the article closely enough. Oh yeah,
2: I read it. Uh, They had to pay. So thankfully, uh, no uh, structures were damaged and no people died in this wildfire. But about forty-seven thousand acres of public land were burned. Um, So they paid a hundred thousand dollars. Well, the dad did um and then he has to pay $500 a month for the next 20 years wow which ends up uh, i did the math on that that's $120,000 for the next tw- over the course of the next 20 years
1: okay and
2: and also he agreed to appear in a uh forest fire prevention <laughs>
1: PSA <laughs> with Smokey the Bear being like Are you going to insist that your child have a particular gender? Well, that's bad on its own, but definitely don't shoot shit to do it.
2: (laughs) It's just just him over Smokey the Bear's knee getting spanked, is all it is. Only you can prevent traumatizing your child and starting wildfires. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Anywho... Why'd you ask me to begin with? Why, uh, if I ever could, if I thought of myself, uh, not as male? Oh, you know doggone well why I asked you that, Ben. It a, was because a darn
1: it's leading an question. interesting creative exercise, and B, because the creators of Adventure Time chose to take a – that kind of approach to the first episode that we're going to talk about here in our podcast, Podventure Time. It's season three, episode nine of our favorite cartoon or my favorite cartoon anyway. It's called Fiona and Cake. Yeah. Which kind of sounds like some names that we're familiar with.
2: It does. And uh, so this whole episode of, of Adventure Time is a... Um, it is a, a reversal of of gender for ace, every character in the show. Yeah, and it is, uh, and it's it's a binary reversal. Like they don't really explore um, the sort of continuum of genders in this episode, but it right. is it is still a pretty. Uh, it's a funny episode, and it's that is the premise though that we. Uh, even right from the opening credits, we see uh, differences in how the show is being presented. And if I'm not mistaken, the the opening title sequence, which features like a male version of Marceline mm-hmm. and a female version of Ice King, that was used in a previous episode we've seen, wasn't it? Fiona, yes. and, Cake, Fiona and Cake showed up as just sort of a teaser in a different episode, and I'm blanking on which one that was.
1: Yeah, it was a couple episodes ago, and I don't really know whether that's a Hulu error of some kind, or my, my working hypothesis is that those two episodes may have aired originally on the same date back-to-back, uh. which is how the which is how the alternate intro got attached to another episode. And I didn't ask you about it at the time because I didn't want to give too much away about Fiona and Cake actually being a thing. I wanted this one to surprise you a little bit. But when you saw that intro, and particularly, I suppose, when you saw it again, what uh, what was running through your, through your noggin?
2: All right. Well, so the first time I saw it, I was uh, genuinely surprised. I thought it was just an experiment. I thought it was just the creators of the show just kind of having fun because – uh, it was never referenced in the, in the first episode that I saw it happen. And, yeah. and like you said, it could have been just a, it could be a mistake on Hulu's part or it, just a weird quirk of translating a show uh, from its original programming into like a streaming service. But then um, the, this time around um, I was, re- I mean, i had seen it before, so I was looking at paying more close attention and I, you know, I thought it was pretty cool. Like the, I saw uh, the male Marceline. I saw the female Ice Queen. The Lady Rainicorn is no longer a rainicorn, but is like a black stallion. Uh, sort yeah, of it's a uh, corn. Yeah, it's it's a
1: mono mono corn. I believe Monochromicorn,
2: Yes. Um, yeah. So not only a gender reversal, but also a color spectrum reversal um, from multicolored to monochromatic, and. Yeah, I mean, I just I think it's super creative. I thought it was very cool, and then the episode I really liked. Like, we could talk about it for sure. Of like, that tends to be what we do on this on this show. But um, my my reaction was just like, wow, like what a fresh take! Like, it was just like it reminded me of um, the approach that Community takes. The just the way that they were they would just adopt different genre styles for any given episode and. Uh, it felt in that vein of just like, "Hey, we're just gonna do it. This we're just gonna do this this time." And I think I could tell from the outset that it wasn't gonna be like a. It's, it wasn't all of a sudden like they're switching the show to this format. It was just like, "Hey, it's an experiment." Yeah, and it. I thought it worked extremely well. Yeah, for sure. Um, so we. Uh, the whole premise of the episode is that um, Fiona, our uh, our allegor- analog. Analog—that's the word I was looking for. Finn, analog, Fiona, and our Jake analog, Cake, uh, who is also who is both female and a cat, not yes. a dog, and has a
1: fantastically expressive tail.
2: Yes, uh, she—they are uh, in the castle of Prince Bubblegum, but it's not Bubblegum. Why am I saying it's? Um, it's Gumball. Uh, Gumball. No, oh, that's yeah, yeah Prince that's right, Gumball, yeah. I believe. Prince Gumball, not Bubblegum. Gumball. So they're but it, Princess Bubblegum analog, and they are hanging out, and all of the same uh, interpersonal relationships exist. Like yes, uh, and this episode really delves into the relationship between Fiona and Gumball, and Fiona's uh, simmering crush that she has on Gumball, which and, Cake,
1: similarly to how Jake behaves, kind of encourages and uh, needles.
2: Right, and, and, and sort of interferes with or asserts a sort of romantic expertise right. on uh whether that's founded or not. Um And Fiona, anyway, I
1: would say is similarly sort of blushy and embarrassed by the whole thing.
2: Right, and she but she exhibits she is she is still Finn in the sense that uh her main joy in life is adventuring. Yeah, um, she
1: she's ready to kick ass.
2: Yeah. All of that remains the same. It's just that their genders are reversed. And uh, the, the premise is that Ice King, our Ice King analog and Ice Queen in this case, um, attacks the castle and Fiona saves the prince. Um, the prince is getting ready for a ball that evening when the Ice Queen attacks. Uh, I really enjoyed the the gag about the gummy bears. Uh, they're decorating the ceiling with like sticky gummy bears <laughs> and uh, and Fiona quickly kind of stops and pauses rather astutely because she kind of remembers she's in the candy kingdom and where all candy is alive and they're really just like drop kicking these gummy bears to stick up on the ceiling. She's kind of like, hey, these aren't alive, right? And he kind of goes, no, no, of course not. They can't even talk at which point one of them starts like screaming for help and then <laughs> and he just shuts it up and, and kicks it to the ceiling.
1: Yeah, which is another one of those, like, weird sort of tyrant, sketchy moves that that uh, Bubblegum pulls off sometimes.
2: Yeah, I mean, Bubblegum, her uh, relationship with life yeah. and death is she feels like she can exert ex- extreme control over it. Um, yeah, we, she has sort of like a, a
1: scientist god complex about
2: the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, like, the first time we see her, she is trying to reanimate corpses. In the very first episode, um, and she is to
1: blame for <laughs> poor Lemon Grabs' existential terror.
2: Yeah, she definitely has a Doctor Frankenstein side to her.
1: It seems like she built an entire kingdom of candy
2: Frankenstein's. So, is that the implication? I've never actually thought about it that way. Is is it is the implication that she created everyone in the candy kingdom? I think so. Yes. Really? Okay. That, I had never thought of it that way, I mean she but like she grew up, like we also know that she she was young at one point
1: that's true yeah it, it it's it's entirely unclear i think i I get the impression because she talks about having numerous creations, you know, like she talks about lemon grab, I think is like her first experiment gone wrong, right so she's got a lot of experiments in her past, and I would bet that quite a few of those folks walking around the candy kingdom are. Either successful or failed experiments, or maybe both.
2: Okay. Well, that being uh, that being the case, uh, it is unsurprising that she uh, that Princess Gumball Prince Gumball that is is um, is is a bit cavalier with the with the feelings and lives of these gummy General bears. General well being. Yeah, of these gummy bears that he's using essentially as decoration.
1: Remember that old cartoon gummy bears?
2: Oh heck yeah! Like one of the best. Cartoon theme songs of all time.
1: Yes, absolutely. I think I listened to a cappella versions of that a lot in college because I was that dude.
2: Well, uh, no worries and no judgment. I did too. Um, I actually, I actually created a, uh, a a NCAA style bracket at work at one point um, based solely around TV show theme songs.
1: Oh, that's that's scientific.
2: So what one? Uh, Fresh Prince of Bel Air one. Okay, it went up. A, yeah, yeah. I that mean, was fair. it was like a. I mean, like generational things definitely skewed it because it was all based on voting at something. You know, I could. It was. That's what it was. Uh, that's how matches were won and lost. Was was voting yes. by the by the audience. So we had some like, and you know, I I could have done a better job seeding things to be honest. Um, it was tough to seed these things. These these, these songs. Um, so we had some, like, I would say uh, travesties that occurred where, like, friends beat cheers. Boo! Oh, I agree. I'm saying, I called it a travesty. Uh, and I
1: boo travesties. It's just my thing.
2: Okay. Uh, <laughs> but Fresh Prince was like a juggernaut. Like, it just, it won, like, every match like ninety percent of the vote every time. Like it, it, was.
1: Yeah, I'd say there's there's probably a solid like generation of people, about seventy five percent of whom can rap every word of the Fresh Prince theme song, and it makes them feel good to be able to do so. So yeah. I can see why that got a lot of votes.
2: Yeah, uh, but the reason I say that, uh, gummy bears did fairly well. It was a um, coming out of the animation conference. It was one of the stronger. Pr- uh, performers, a lot of the Disney cartoons, like the Duck Ducktales, mm-hmm. uh, Chippendales, Rescue Rangers, those things, they all did pretty well, and um, but they just couldn't overcome things like Prince, Fresh Prince, Cheers, that stuff.
1: Did uh, that that uh, what is it, the Great American Hero or whatever, uh, make uh, it into the? make it into the bracket
2: so uh, that was to an oversight
1: or not it's just me one
2: yeah uh that was an oversight by the seating committee uh i believe it should i on retrospect i think it should have made it um but also i made this in like 30 minutes at works or actually it was longer than 30 minutes uh, a couple of coworkers and i worked on it and <laughs> i want to say it was 30 minutes because i don't want to get like fired or something but we spent several time theft we spent several hours uh of, of work time on this thing. Stealing Google's time. I even worked up a, uh, a spreadsheet, like an Excel spreadsheet with formulas that would like, that was like a bracket style, like would auto update with voting and like (laughs) they would auto advance. Like the, the names would move up in the bracket and stuff. It was, it was elaborate. I had
1: to, I had to run the office NCAA pool this year uh, on paper because people in my office complain bitterly if I make them go to the ESPN or Yahoo website to make selections.
2: <laughs> oh, man. Uh-huh. <laughs> Listen, just fax me your brackets by this date. Yes, or
1: please just try to drop them off in my uh-huh. office. Uh-huh. If you misspell the team names, that's fine. I'll
2: probably be able to figure out who you're referring to. Yeah. Uh, anywho. Different work cultures. Back to the task at hand. <laughs> My wife now. Now that I am just on it, my wife at her previous job at a uh, at a prominent Chicago newspaper was had for like the entire year and a half or two that she worked there um, had someone else's voicemail message, like because <laughs> because they had just recycled the phone number and. Uh she was like, Well, I need to replace the voicemail message and IT was like, Well use the password. She's like, Well, it's not mine. I don't know the password. And IT was like, We don't either. You'll just need to use this one. So like oh <laughs> that that was the solution was just like you just have this other random person answering your voicemails. <laughs>
1: Hey, it's Rick. Leave a message. Yep. And you have to know that
2: Rick is, is my wife. Uh,
1: Rick, if if you happen to uh, know Ben's wife, please have her give me a call. Yep,
2: exactly. Goodness gracious. Yep.
1: So them gummy bears, kicking them up at the ceiling. That's not nice by, by old Gumball.
2: No, it's not. Um, but we quickly move past it because Ice Queen, who is, I will say, she seems more effective than Ice King. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if that's like also meant to be sort of like a reversal, um but Ice Queen has has some moves and yeah, she's she's more dangerous and and she's
1: also more menacing like yeah. especially the Ice King that we've gotten to know over the course of the series so far. She's not quite the benevolent antisocial weirdo that Ice King is. She she has a similar goal which is kidnapping her sweet prince, but uh, yeah, she generally comes off as much more villainous than Ice King, both in her demeanor and her effectiveness.
2: Yeah, so she attacks and, uh, you know, Fiona's ready. She seems to have fought Ice Queen before, but um, Ice Queen attacks with some sort of... She She takes the form of some sort of slush monster and attacks the prince. And Fiona and Cake do, um, do manage to uh smash the slush monster to bits. And coming out of it, uh the prince, Gumball, is so uh thankful. And I think this is common uh this is a common thing that's sort of done in, in TVs and movies, like the whole like hero complex, someone someone's life is saved and they kind of all of a sudden like instantly have a romantic attraction to their to their uh, rescuer. Um, yeah, but it, all I can ever think about is the scene at the end
1: of Speed, where Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock are about to get it on, mm-hmm. and they're like, you know, relationships formed in traumatic moments frequently don't succeed, and they're like, whatever, let's do it anyway. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> um. So the so so yeah, coming out of this battle. Prince Bubblegum comes at uh, at, Fiona, at Fiona hard with some romantic looks and feelings and says things like, you know, I never – I don't know if he doesn't say – he doesn't really say, like, I never noticed you before. But he kind of just says, like, you look amazing and thank you and we should go out. And Yeah. the cla- And they – you know, this – and Fiona and Cake uh, go immediately back to the treehouse to game plan. Yeah, I
1: think this is actually very realistic in yeah. that, you know, Fiona has probably been daydreaming about this moment for a long time. And then all of a sudden it comes along and you you have no idea how to actually handle it. Right. It's always been pure fantasy. And now all of a sudden it's a reality. And, oh, my God, I haven't thought this through all the way. What am I going to do?
2: Yeah. Uh, so they set a time to meet the Prince uh, Prince Gumball. They head back to the treehouse, which is the same I. Uh, it's the same treehouse that Finn and Jake live in, and I didn't really pay attention to many of the details in the treehouse. I'm sure there are a few in there that I missed, of maybe some like slight swaps that exist in the treehouse. Yeah. Um, but they are uh, Fiona is nervous, F- Cake is over the moon, ecstatic, like, and just insistent that they that Fiona needs to take advantage of this moment, and Fiona's even. You know, doing the classic, like, I don't even know if this is a date or not. It's probably not a date. She's being very self-doubting. And then, you know, Cake's there to just be like, of course it's a date. You're going for this. Like, let's do this. And I will be there with you. And I will bring my dulcimer. (laughs) Yes. And uh, because we know that Finn, uh, Jake plays a, there is my moment. um, Jake plays the viola violin.
1: Yes. Uh, Viola.
2: Viola. And so Cake's uh, analog of that is that she plays a dulcimer, and a dulcimer is a much more cumbersome instrument to carry around, but uh, yeah. as Cake says, she insists, it's a conversation starter. Yeah,
1: and the payoff is is worth
2: it, I think. It's got a unique sound and allows uh,
1: more expression by the
2: player. Indeed. So uh, they head back to the candy kingdom, the castle, to meet up with Prince Gumball, who shows up with... Flowers for Fiona and Fiona asks if it's okay if it's okay that she brought cake and he says you bet it's okay because I brought uh monochromacorn. Yeah, which I think is, it's Mr.
1: or there's some there's some uh, masculine like it's not, title right, before- Right. It's like not lady. Yeah, right. Like some masculine title before monochromacorn, but his yeah, um, all sir black something slippery steed is there as well. Yeah. <laughs>
2: And, and, he, and so, he and
1: Cake start kind of making eyes at each other.
2: Yeah, just to kind of as a nod to the relationship that we know from our standard universe. Um, and I, you know, and also I love that like the monochromicorn is equally uh, nonverbal, or is uh, can we can't understand their the language. He he only seems to be able to. He only seems to communicate through uh, hoof stamping. And yes. But he does it in a way, in a very suggestive way that makes uh, makes Cake's tail just <laughs> sort of explode with explode with uh, sexual tension. I yes. will say uh, it is is a funny bit where no words are exchanged between the two of them besides foot uh, hoof stomping and a tail puffing up. But it's it's a great joke. Anyway, so they head out on their date. Um, well, we don't know if it's date, but they head out together. The four uh, they they are riding their respective steeds: uh, Fiona on Cake and Cumball on Monochromicorn. They have a lovely day. They do some fun, just sort of frolicking, I would say, in across the land of U in some very picturesque settings. He gives her a gift. He gives her a ice sword. Not a nice sword. What did I? Uh, gem sword, something like crystal sword. Yeah, yeah, I believe
1: it's a crystal sword, and Fiona, yeah. of course, loves it because she's way into swords.
2: Yeah, um, and they spend the day together. He sings a song to her, uh, and it's a darn good thing that uh, Fiona uh, Cake brought her Dulcimer. Yes, because she does some sweet backup, backup melody, backup. Uh, up tones to the song yeah it's, and a, this su- is it's a super cool people- song too
0: if I send you're a beautiful girl would it upset you because the way you look tonight silhouetted I'll never forget it oh oh Fiona your fist has touched my heart <laughs> Oh, Fiona, I won't let anything in this world keep us apart. I won't won't let let anything anything in this this world world keep us apart.
1: This is the first song of uh, really (laughs) several, I think, that we see uh, that we'll talk about today. Uh, Yeah. the, The second episode is heavily features music, and uh, I went and checked, and my suspicions were confirmed. Both of these episodes were written and storyboarded, uh, at least in part by Rebecca Sugar, who worked on Adventure Time for quite a while and then moved on to create Steven Universe, which is also a very good show from Cartoon Network. Um, But Rebecca Sugar is behind just about all of the really good songs uh, from adventure time and really yes uh she they uh are fantastic and i and i say they because rebecca sugar i'm not exactly sure what rebecca's gender identity is but uh rebecca's twitter profile has they them and uh she her pronouns being acceptable and i i try to use they for them but uh yeah Rebecca Sugar is I I actually I've interacted with a few people who started off as Steven Universe fans and because they liked Rebecca Sugar got into Adventure Time and you can if you're looking for it you can tell which uh episodes of Adventure Time have their uh fingerprints on them generally if there's an awesome song it was Rebecca Sugar
2: wow that is cool um yeah, you're definitely right. We're going to talk about a bunch of songs today. And it was actually, I was going to say, the, um, it was actually the song was the point of this episode where it clicked for me that Prince Gumball is voiced by Neil Patrick Harris. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, his singing voice is uh, well known to be very, very good. Yes. And this is where uh, that clicked. It took me, I had, it was one of those moments where I, I still, I have to admit, I still had to look it up but it was like oh i know this voice mm-hmm. like it, mm-hmm. it was that moment um yeah so anyway, and if it's not maria bamford we got to look it up <laughs> yeah exactly um he, so he sings a very lovely song to her very romantic expressing just basically like it's it is an ideal song for fiona to hear like it, he is expressing exactly in what she hoped Gumball felt for her. Yes. And so it is basically like this perfect moment for Fiona. And it ends with um, them lying in the grass together. Uh, Cake and Monochromicorn read the room and say, hey, we'll see you later and fly off (laughs) uh, to give them some alone time. And they just lie there all evening talking about stuff. And um, Fiona finally asks Gumball if this is a date. And Gumball responds by saying, uh, he doesn't actually answer directly, but he says, well, you should come to the ball with me as my girlfriend. And I think and that answers the question without actually directly answering the question. And she rushes home, Fiona that is, rushes home. To the treehouse where Cake is waiting, reveals what has just happened. Cake is super excited, freaks out. They gotta get her ready for the ball. They get her all Cinderella'd up, basically, uh, full ball gown and everything. Fiona feels Which is a little not a
1: natural thing for Fiona.
2: No, no, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be for Finn either to be that dudded up, and she she can't help. She she actually feels quite, I think, naked without some weapons. And so she finds uh, her retractable sword, right. from which is the gift I guess that she got from Gumball. Like the, um, she finds that and puts it in her purse, and they head off to the ball together. And uh, when they arrive, Gumball is there and is waiting, and instantly welcomes or, or invites Fiona up to his room. And Cake just sort of says, "Yeah," and. Uh, and says, like, we'll see you later. They head up to his room. Um, and I guess we should say, because there are a couple good visual gags before we get to this, like, next major plot point of the episode. The ball is filled with, again, gender reversals for a lot of the characters that we're yes. familiar with in the Candy Kingdom. And I never remember his name uh, in the main in the main universe. But it's, like, the donut cream-filled guy. Uh, he's, like, uh, he's... Man, wait! It's really hard to. No, it's not cinnamon bun. It is. He's like really sloppy. He's like a sloppy donut, and that's all I can say. (laughs) Um, I I don't even know
1: what character you're talking about.
2: Oh my gosh! Uh, So, well, I'm gonna call him Sloppy Donut. Uh, (laughs) I'll see if I can find an image of him while we're chatting. Um, So, but there is a female version. It, it, he's got like he's really old uh, man i wish i could could describe this like pastry better than sloppy donut um he is he looks like a he looks like he has um he looks like he has old like kind of saggy jowls of a like in a donut face Ugh. i don't know what i'm to almost do. certain that you're talking
1: about cinnamon bun
2: fine i'm going to look it up uh there's Dr. Donut. Oh my gosh. No, you're right. I am. I'm talking about cinnamon bun. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cinnamon bun is a goofball. Okay. Uh, he is not what I would call a cinnamon bun. Like, that's it. Like, when I think of a cinnamon bun, I think of a much more swirled, layered pastry. Anyway, Yeah,
1: his, his frosting is not quite the right color, and I think that his mouth being in the center of his body gives him a donut-like appearance. Okay. But it's not a donut hole, because if you look at, like, Dr. Donut, Dr. Donut actually has a hole going all the way through his body.
2: Okay, yeah, I see what you're saying. All right, so it's cinnamon bun. It's a female cinnamon bun that that um, that Gumball is sort of just conversing with while waiting for Fiona to arrive. Um And I didn't notice if there was maybe like a a female peppermint butler walking around or anything like that. But uh, several characters. There is a prince. um, There is a lumpy space prince there. Yep. And Very handsome. uh, Yeah. And also male Marceline is floating around. Marceline. Marceline. I didn't even. Did they even reference that or do you just like happen to know?
1: Uh, I think that they say it. Uh, I know that that's his name
2: okay anyway um they arrive and like we said um fiona is escorted up to prince gumball's room and when they arrive there's nothing in the room but a bed at first and fiona gets a little freaked out all of a sudden
1: yeah things are moving a little fast here
2: yeah and then something else, but then something changes drastically. Something drips onto her shoulder, and she looks up, and there, in a ice stalactite is that stalactites from the ceiling or stalagmites? Yep. Stalag St- stalactites hang tight. Nice. Okay, tights hang tight, and frozen inside the stalactite is da da dun, dun Prince Gumball. Uh oh. Now what is happening here? And then cackling starts. And we look back, the camera pans back to the gumball that we just thought was in the room. And he (laughs) unzips a gumball suit. He's wearing an egger suit. Uh, (laughs) And out of that suit comes Ice Queen. Ice Queen has been acting, pretending to be gumball this entire time. The entire date, the entire everything was a ruse. To lower the defenses of Fiona. I'm not sure really what the end game was. Maybe just to humiliate her? I don't know. Yeah, that so as Fiona says,
1: like, that's really messed up, Ice Queen. Yeah. Yeah. Like like, it's far beyond, I think, even what Ice King would ever do. It I mean, it's such like psychological and emotional torture to put this poor girl through all of this.
2: I agree. It was, like, when you think about it, like, in the moment watching the episode is just sort of like, yep, evil thing to do. Um, But, yeah, like, if you, the moment you put any sort of, like, scrutiny to it, it just is, it's monstrous.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, Ice King kidnaps princesses, but that's, you know, more or less played off as a joke because he's never successful in keeping them or uh, actually getting one of them to fall in love with him. And... You know, Ice King hatches plots and whatnot, and and I suppose like paralyzing Finn and Jake, like we discussed last time, is not super kind. But the the sort of I mean, it, it, Ice Queen basically identifies and weaponizes some of
2: Fiona's strongest and most confusing feelings. And maybe that is the op. Maybe that's another opposite that they're kind of playing with, like where Ice King is. Ineffectual, and for the most, for the most, uh, he is essentially harmless. Um, Ice Queen, on the opposite, is incredibly harmful and yeah. incredibly dastardly. And where, and Ice King, you know, his deep-seated motivation is actually like through, you know, it's 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 morphed through his lens of like uh, socio sociopath this sociopathicness. Um
1: sociopathy.
2: S- there it is. Sociopathy. He always he just wants to be friends with right. Finn and Jake. Uh Ice Queen wants to destroy Fiona. Like yeah, she- it's
1: like at the worst, Ice King wants Finn and Jake out of the way, but he also wants to be cool with them. Ice right. Queen does not appear to have any sort of Fond feelings for Fiona whatsoever, and if she does, she's so sociopathic that she would do this incredibly not just like harmful thing, you know, like Ice King will freeze or kick Finn or Physically, whatever. Physically, yeah, yeah, but this psychological terror that she inflicts on Fiona is really something.
2: Yeah. Um. Well, a battle ensues immediately. Uh, Fiona reaches for her gift sword retractable sword, but uh, oops, that sword was a gift from Gumball, who actually was Ice Queen, yeah. and it turns out to just be a big ball. Like it, It's an ice sword. It's a trap. It just turns into a ball of ice that traps her hands. Um, now, this battle is raging inside this bedroom, and the last thing that Cake knew was that Gumball was going into uh, his bedroom with Fiona, and now he, he now she hears Fiona struggling to get away, and uh, similar to how Jake would respond, of course, in terms of uh, a protective instinct, uh, Cake rushes in to but the with, battle. I
1: think a whole added gender dynamic that would not exist. Yeah, you know, I think that if Jake heard Finn struggling inside of PB's bedroom, he would assume some evil monster was in there but i'm not you know i i think that the possibility has certainly occurred to cake that it's gumball himself that is causing this distress in fiona and that's something that you know i mean that it's the world we live in that violence is much more likely to be enacted on women by men than by men on women most like more likely to be enacted by men on women than by women on men. I'm not there sure you what I said
2: the first time, but you, s- you said the opposite. That's cool. Uh, okay. I'll let you get. Go- I'll let you get there. Strike um, that. Reverse it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you're totally right, and I think that is one of those moments um, where this isn't a kids' show. Like that is yeah. that is a that's a, something that would whoosh by most twelve and under year old kids.
1: Oh yeah, I mean they're they're gonna think you know oh it's it's Ice Queen it's a monster that's why Fiona sounds scared but yep. for those of us who unfortunately live in a world that we are more aware of than children are where sexual violence exists of course when you hear a a woman or a, you know in this case a pretty young girl struggling in a room alone with a man or boy or whatever you want to call Prince Gumball
2: that I mean that. Yeah, that, that raises some some red flags. Indeed. Cake. So Cake rushes in. As she is rushing in, or just before, uh, Fiona does manage to uh, regain a bit of the upper hand. She, she takes the weapon, she takes what's been given to her, which is a big ice club at the end of her hands, uh, and bashes Ice Queen a few times with it, and is sort of flung into the air and manages to break the ice stalactite, that was kept cap- encapsulating the real Prince gumball and breaks him free. So at the moment that cake comes in the room, real Prince gumball is free and is sort of being embraced or sort of held by Fiona because she just saved him. And cake leaps to conclusions, uh, that, that what she, her worst fears were true. And she starts attacking gumball. Fiona, of course, quickly, uh, Explains or sort of uh, pulls her back and says, no, no, it's Ice Queen. Um, And then Ice Queen is is there to make herself known with a few ice blasts. And her full battle ensues at this point. And then in the course of the battle, um, they knock her crown off and she loses her powers. And I thought that was interesting because I noted that in the sense that like, well, if this is an analog for Ice King, has that ever happened before? Like, did did that, was that a... Is that a vulnerability that has been discussed for Ice King in the past? I don't remember it having been so. Okay. Uh, So whether that is true or not, whether it's just part of this universe, uh, and Ice Queen specifically, uh, is unknown. But um, in any event, she loses her, her tiara, which apparently is the source of her power. And she loses her ice powers, which then makes her pretty ineffectual and, Finn and Fiona, sorry, Fiona and Cake um, win the day then the real gumball um, is similarly smitten as the fake gumball was at the end of this battle he actually says something similar saying like you are amazing and beautiful and we should date and Fiona then at this point says no thanks man Uh, and she, she has had a self-realization that, uh, although she is friends with many males and does not date them, um, she's okay with that. And she said that when, if, and when she finds what she's looking for and it comes along, she will know it and she will go after it and does not need to be desired by men, which I thought was an excellent ending. Uh, Absolutely, excellent message, excellent uh, reversal of the standard uh, male gaze, um, and um, uh, and I think at that point the episode ends with a twist. Yeah,
1: so now every like good message that we've been able to extract from this episode is like, wait a minute, because that twist is that this is basically fan fiction
2: written by Ice King right we do they do sort of a pull out sort of move and this you know, whole thing ice king finishes reading this tale as if he has been narrating the entire time and um with a few jokes uh i think he ends with fiona and fiona and cake both talking about how they wish that the ice king would come and date them because they would date him in a heartbeat. Um, <laughs> and uh, it turns out that this whole thing has just been the ice King reading a bit of fan fiction. He wrote about Finn and Jake, which uh very uh, meta of the show writers and very cool, a very, uh, you know, very satisfying ending. It turns out that he has been, he has had Finn and Jake frozen in his lair and has forced them to be listening to his yeah. uh, to his fan fiction. Uh, so, yeah, you're right. Like, everything, all these things that we were just talking about, like, came from the mind of Ice King.
1: Yeah. yeah. And, and as I've been thinking about it, some of it become, starts to make more sense, I think. Like, the very effective Ice Queen may just be how Ice King sees himself.
2: Right. Indeed. But
1: the positive lessons that we can draw from the episode, I, uh, I'm not sure what... The fact that Ice King is alleged to have created the episode, what that does to <laughs> our ability to say, oh, what a nice message.
2: Well, and I think he kind of, you know, even the main positive message, which is um, the idea that a female character, or female per- uh, does not need to be uh, desired by a male to have value or to have self-worth. Um, he immediately corrupts that, like... In the middle of this nice soliloquy of like, I know what when I find out what I want, I will know it and I will go after it then and I'm fine with myself until then. And then he just goes, Except like with, except for Ice King. If Ice King came, I would I would date him immediately. Like so I think like that whole sentence that like nice ending kind of like falls back upon itself and yeah, collapses. It's,
1: it's like Ice King's weird pathological ego catches up with him and ruins the story
2: yeah i think that that's all that happens and so uh hopefully viewers uh were able to extract the positive message before then and uh and then just enjoy the jokes at the end um but yeah all in all a very solid episode a really cool experiment um with some really nice uh, development of the characters without actually developing Finn and Jake as characters. Like, I think really, really, really clever.
1: Yeah, I I thought this was a fantastic episode. I um, meant to mention when I was talking about Rebecca Sugar before that I am very curious. I would love to hear from them about how their experience with gender informed the plot and the relationships in this episode.
2: I think that would be an excellent thing to learn about. Um so all in all, awesome episode. A this is this is this felt to me like the show flexing its muscles.
1: Yeah, a lot. absolutely. I mean, this is the the creativeness of the people on the show. It's it's the I mean, when music is central to this show, I think that it's generally fantastic, particularly if Rebecca Sugar has done the songs. Yeah. And uh yeah, I mean it, it. I I I I loved both of the episodes this week, and each for different reasons. But um, yeah, this one was this one was great.
2: Yeah, so maybe we should just go ahead and chat about episode ten, uh, yeah. our second episode of our show today. So um, as we've been saying several times, music is central to this episode. Um, the show, the whole episode centers around a pretty simple plot device, which is that a I'll call him a demon creature. I don't know what to call him really, but like some sort of like evil entity, I suppose. A bad, guy. a bad guy. Um, the door lord. We don't learn his name. That's right. We don't learn his name until a few beats into the episode, but um essentially a, a being that can appear and disappear from um a plane of existence using portals, doors that he can create and and destroy at will. And so uh, the boys uh, were back to Finn and Jake. uh, No longer Fiona and Cake. Um, Finn and Jake and Bima are hanging out at home, and Finn is spending some quality time. Spending that—that sounded more lascivious than I wanted it to. Um, (laughs) Finn um, is—he's spending. Why can't I not say this phrase? Spending quality time. Uh, He is hanging out. hanging out at home, but he is making sure that fin, uh, that Jake and Bima aren't around because he would like to pull out from underneath the couch, a lock of princess bubblegum's hair that he has saved, um, from ostensibly from his time where she was, um, trapped as a child. Um, and he ended up with a lock of her hair from that. um, and it is a cherished keepsake, I guess, a cherished um, representation of his love for her, kind of thing that he kind yeah, of it's like. it's Kind of a totem, a totem. That's a great word for it. That he hangs out with, or he that he kind of brings out and just sort of like looks at and uh, you know uh, pines for her a bit. And Finn and or Jake of. Uh, Appears almost instantaneously with BMO and is like, "Hey, hanging out with your bubblegum hair,"
1: and <laughs> and
2: J- and Jake is uh, Finn's like, "You knew about this," and he's like, "Oh yeah, man, we're roommates. I know basically everything you do," um, which uh, you know the codependency of the relationship sort of uh, rears its head, rears its head in weird ways sometimes. Yes, um, but Jake is very uh, supportive and says like, "Hey, you know, I'll show you my my special." Keepsake that I have as well, and he reaches into a, under a floorboard and pulls out a blankie he had from uh, as a boy or as a as a baby, a puppy, I suppose. Um, and it's at this moment that our villain of the episode appears. He is a yellow chuckling fellow. He he only chuckles. That's all he does. And he appears out of nowhere, coming from a a, a portal from from nowhere. He jumps in, grabs these keepsakes from Jen, Finn and Jake and also grabs the controller from BMO, basically takes a single item for each of, from each one of them, and then opens up another portal and jumps through it. Um, and the only recourse, of course, for... Is to follow. Yes. Is to follow them mean, through.
1: What else are Finn and Jake going to do but jump right through that
2: portal themselves? Yeah. Uh, and they do. And they then go on a bit of a... Uh, Scooby Doo style chase scene through a series of doors um, into different realm, different uh, different areas of Ooh, actually, and so they jump in and out of these portals and they appear in different uh, areas. They end up in the uh, in Princess Bubblegum's castle, at which and so they sort of pick her up along the way. Finn, Finn's like, "Come on, Gump- Bubblegum, let's go. Let's we can get him." Um, the it seems that the door lord has stolen something from Bubblegum now they end up in then Marceline's home and Marceline is fighting off the um, the door Lord as he is jumping out into another portal and they end up following through into um, sort of a final a final area it's all just it's all one big chase scene so um, very visually cool but um, it we, basically it's all a a way for them to all end up in one area, which is a final door with a – which is a much more imposing door and has a inscription on it that says um, something – I can't remember the exact wording, but something to the effect of this door will not open except for a genuine band. And yeah. I've, I've really mur- – I've, I've murdered the phrasing because it's much more eloquent and magic sounding. But the key elements are – a genuine band is the phrase that it will open the door.
1: Yeah, y'all are going to have to y'all are going to have to get real to get through this door.
2: Yeah, uh, uh, the phrase genuine band is unclear what that means. It's, you know, one of those cryptic phrases um, that that appear in magic and but what we have is a situation where we have Bubblegum, Marceline, Finn and Jake uh, stuck in one place together all desiring what's on the other side of this door. And they have to work together to get to get through it. Um, so that is the setup for the whole episode. Yep. And they quickly ascertain that, or they guess that a genuine band. Maybe they mean in the literal sense that you need. They need to form a band, like a musical band, and play a song, and that will make the door open. And so they start. And you know, Marceline has brought her her axe, which is her both an axe actually and a guitar and she starts laying down a pretty sweet bass line and um, in a pretty funny visual bit uh, Bubblegum walks over to bemo and like rips off her face plate <laughs> and which BMO goes like my face! <laughs> um, but then uses like the electronics inside of BMO to lay down some like electronic uh, synth kind of sounds. Basically hacks BMO. Yeah. And then uh Finn provides some uh, verbal vocal beatboxing. Excuse me. Vocal beatboxing. And Marceline starts to sing. And it's a dope song. Like, it is. Yep. It is good. And it is um, directed at Bubblegum. Definitely genuine as well. Yeah, it is... It is directed at Bubblegum and it is Marceline essentially mm, chastising Bubblegum uh, for always – Marceline basically saying like – I can't remember all the lyrics. Um, They're too good uh, for me to try to like really recreate them. But the general gist is Marceline telling Bubblegum like, uh, are you mad at me? Like is the the reason you treat me like dirt because I don't – um, I don't treat you like some sort of um, goddess, right? Um, that I don't worship you, And is that why you're mad at me? And is that why you treat me like less than human? And as she is singing this song, the door begins to respond with a glowing light um, that grows and grows and grows as if this is what's this is gonna work. But at the very last moment, Marceline can't quite finish the song. She doesn't quite have the right lyrics. She, she just doesn't, you know, it doesn't quite hit her right. And and the door shuts down again. But what has happened, what has transpired is that Marceline has basically bared her soul to Bubblegum. Um, and it is an angry one. It is one that is um, hurt and upset at, at Bubblegum and is really really moving yeah so tell me what you took from that so I thought it was just like I, as soon as I realized what was happening in the episode I was like oh wow this is a, again this is another experimentation or another another cool way that the show's creators have decided to develop these characters in musical style yep. uh, essentially and Marceline expressing to bubblegum it's it's clearly like a desire like there's an under under undertone of wanting to be accepted by bubblegum but she is hurt and upset that bubblegum treats her the way she does which is like sort of like a monster um or at least dismissive you know and she and she she's lashing out she's saying like why are you treating me like this? Is it because I don't worship you like everyone else Sorry in your kingdom? I don't treat you yeah. like
0: a goddess. Is that what you want me to do? Sorry, I don't treat you like you're perfect. Like all your little loyal subjects do. Sorry, I'm not made of sugar. Am I not sweet enough for you? Is that why you always avoid me? That must be such an inconvenience to you. Well, I'm just your brother. Just
2: your it's asking some some tough questions of Bubblegum, and Bubblegum is is genuinely shaken, is genuinely like uh, affected. Yeah, by the song. I think
1: it's clear. You know, Marceline makes clear with a few stanzas of an incomplete song that there is some kind of huge history between Bubblegum and Marceline. They are not just acquaintances who hang out with Finn and Jake together. They have their own independent relationship that. It's only sort of implied here, but it's clear I think after this song that there are there's something going on between the two of them, whatever it might be. There's a history
2: there. Yeah, indeed. Um, and so I, I I took that away too, and I think what I also took away was a, a new addition to my metaverse, if I might. Yeah. So I think what we've talked about in the past with Marceline and Bubblegum to re- kind of reset, um, that it's potentially possible that Bubblegum represents a babysitter or something um, in Finn's – in, in the, the, the non-dream state and that Marceline represents a older sister. Mm-hmm. And so I think if, uh, if there is an existing relationship prior to Finn – that is being sort of expressed in this song. I think then I could add that perhaps the sister and the babysitter are are friends or were friends. Maybe uh-huh. growing were friends growing up, had a falling out um, prior to Finn being really aware of whatever relationship that was. Yes. Um, that uh, that they were uh, once once friends and maybe now are not as close. Yeah. Mark it down. Come to the treehouse treasure room, folks. Yep. So, anyway, I thought that fit nicely, and I. And, but you're right; like that's that's exactly what was revealed. It was a depth of relationship that uh, had not been explored before, and it's really cool that they did that with a few simple lines of a song, and really well written. Yeah, it's so clever. It
1: it allows Marceline to show emotion that would be much more difficult to demonstrate. I think through a, a similarly yeah. short dialogue. Yeah, it just—I mean, it's it's Marceline bearing her soul, which is, of course, why the door starts glowing. That it needs a genuine band, and when Marceline is being completely honest, uh, it it starts to unlock, but she can't finish the song, and so the the band has to get back together, right. as it were.
2: And there's a complication, like the 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 running joke of the whole of the whole episode is that Jake has chosen for himself the role. The role in the band of The Jerk, yeah. who essentially uh, continually quits and then rejoins the band um, for uh, petty petty reasons. Uh,
1: yeah, he insists that the rest of these hacks can't keep up with his talent and things like that.
2: And then he comes crawling back because it's for the music man. Like I just, I gotta right. come I gotta come back for the music. And then later he quits again because they've all forgotten about the music. Um, <laughs> but it is a solid bit that he, he, every time he comes back, he comes back with like more. He's like, like he's gone through like a drug problem and right. like he has gone through some stuff uh, yeah, and he
1: like morphs himself into uh, a mohawk,
2: right? Yeah, I think
1: he's even got like little like wristbands or something.
2: Right, it's definitely like Van Halen saga kind of stuff. Yeah. So, um, but the the core the core of the episode is really Finn and Jake, uh, sorry Finn and Bubblegum and uh, Marceline. Um, and after the song that Marceline lays down. Um, Things are tense, uh, understandably. Um, you know, uh, I keep wanting to say Fiona. Uh, now, the um, bubblegum and Marceline kind of storm off; like they they don't reconcile. That's for sure. Um, they have a bit of a fight after the song, and they and they storm off in different separate ways. And Finn realizes that he's going to have to do something to keep them together if they're going to ever get through this door. Um, and so he starts singing a song to kind of like stop them in their tracks and he and the door starts responding and because the song that he's singing is is just basically singing about what's happening and how he's feeling in that moment honest
1: as hell yeah
2: and the door starts responding and he realizes oh that's what was missing um for the end at the end of the song that Marceline couldn't quite finish is that this the songs need to be genuine. They need to be truthful, and so he he leans into that skid. Uh, he he just says, "Fine, if you want truthful, here we go." And he starts singing probably the most poignant lyrics and and like line he's delivered in the show to this point. I I might argue. Yeah, it's incredible. The line, the the lyric that he keeps repeating over and over, singing directly to. Marceline and uh, Bubblegum is he says what am I to you? What am I to you? Uh, yeah. Am I a joke? Am I your brother? What am I? And he says you're my best friends you two and Jake but what am I to you? I don't know. Mm-hmm. And he then the song elaborates on that theme essentially. Um, the door responds very strongly to this song but it is a a minute or so of of the core questions that finn has for himself and his relationship and with these people and it's it's amazing it was really good yeah it's an incredible
1: song and it's one of the moments in this show you know this kid's cartoon where i'm a grown-ass man like having legitimately like significant uh, it's it's evoking like real feelings in me like yeah. I'm not just thinking this is pretty funny, this is cute, this is hilarious. Like it I mean that song just and you know Rebecca Sugar wrote it. It just goes I mean it it's it's incredible. I it it's it it really got me.
2: Yeah. It was I I found myself saying out loud like this is really cool. Like this is That's really awesome. cool. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm thrilled to hear that. And uh, for the sake of the narrative of the episode, it works. Um, it opens the door um, to the, the lair of the door lord. But it, more importantly in, in the character development, it allows Finn to just express himself and say like, I don't know what I am to you, but here's what you are to me. You're yeah. my best friends. And um, when they get inside, they confront the door lord who is just hanging out in it's just a room really um he's just eating a sandwich like not expecting anyone to be able to get through his door i think and it's a room full of like file cabinets where he ostensibly is probably hiding and uh, hoarding all these different keepsake he's stolen from people and creatures and they confront him and demand their stuff back and he responds with Um, gibberish, gibberish whimpers and, and, and chuckles again, like not, no, no verbal language. Um, And they, Jake then, or someone, one of the crew sort of realizes like, oh, sort of like Lassie-esque, like, oh, I know what he's saying. (laughs) Like, um, he's saying that like, the, (laughs) the, the keepsakes weren't, didn't mean anything the real thing he taught us was that our friendship is important the most important thing and then the door lord sort of squeals in delight that they've solved his riddle I suppose yes. but then they still they still tie him up um they still they still lock him up uh for his crimes and they get their stuff back and it's at this moment that they all kind of get they have to reveal to each other like what the keepsakes were yeah, that man. that were stolen because uh, to this point they hadn't talked about it and but clearly the reason they're all there is because they were all trying to get this one of these things back. Um, and so the door Lord has stolen uh, so the bubblegum comes the bubblegum's hair comes out. Um, and Finn has to just say like, yeah, I keep a lock of your hair. And uh, and he has to reveal that directly to Bubblegum. And Jake reveals it's his baby blankie. And then for bubblegum, they go, oh wait, yeah, like what what what's yours? And it's a rock t-shirt it is a concert tee. And mm-hmm. at first they think it must be Marceline's and Marceline's like, no, it's not mine. And and Bubblegum says, No, that's mine. And then we have this moment where uh, Marceline says, You kept it? Mm-hmm. And it's clearly, it, this was a gift at one point. And I don't know if it would happen in an episode that we saw or if it's implied that it occurred before the time we know about. And it was a gift from Bubble, from Marceline to Bubblegum and Bubblegum has kept it all this time. And Marceline didn't even know that. And says like, well, you never wear it. And she's like, I wear it all the time as PJs. Like in her most like private, secure moments This is what she wears. Yeah. Um, And, you know, that's... It says volumes. And so this is this moment between the two of them that uh, perhaps the friendship rekindles or at least an understanding is reached a bit. Um, Yeah, they seem
1: to... They're they're certainly reminded each of the importance of
2: the other. Yeah. Um, And then... They look in the bag and there's nothing for Marceline, and then they uh, they realize that Marceline had nothing stolen, and that she was just there because she wanted to hang out with these guys. Because she wanted to be there, yeah, she wanted their friendship, and this uh, revealing this is how we end the episode, uh, Marceline sort of can't handle revealing this much about herself all at one go.
1: Yeah, it's, it's. I mean, whatever, you know, Finn was, you know, sort of ashamed or embarrassed that he was chasing after a lock yeah. of Bubblegum's hair, but somehow for Marceline to be there chasing nothing is even more, like, important and, you know, embarrassing for her. Because she's, you know, she's all, she's all tough and... Really yeah. doesn't need anybody, but it turns out that she she cares about her friends a lot.
2: Yeah, um, and to be fair, they do kind of start teasing her immediately about it. Like, yeah. like they're pretty supportive to each other about like the other items, and then like when they find when they find out that Marceline was there for nothing, they're like, "You had nothing. You need us." Yeah, and it's sort of it's like good natured ribbing, I think. But yeah. uh, but it. <laughs> Like whatever it is, it, it 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 sets her off, and she she transforms into her like monstrous form and chases them out. And they're all still smiling though. They're like, oh, we get to play. Like yeah. They, I think it's 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 just like a funny ending, but um, it's just a it's it's a lighthearted ending to a very 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 deep episode. Oh yeah, and a very a very satisfying one. Oh yeah. It. I mean, it's it's incredible. Yeah. Uh, So both of these episodes, like the experimentation with the narrative and the genre format that they're going to use for the show, um, I appreciate it a lot. Um, Like I said, it reminds me a lot of like what Dan Harmon did on uh, on community. And and it really just like uh, this show is I, I found myself at the end of these two episodes thinking back to like, what was this show like? in a, in season 1. Like I've I've kind of forgotten almost. Right.
1: And that's that's what the experience it, what, that what I was had like. watching season 1 with you cuz I kept being like, "No, no, I promise. Like it's going to get way better. It's going to get way more deep." And and this is one of those episodes where it finally delivers and it's it's very very different from anything we saw in season 1.
2: Yeah, it really sets there is a whole new bar or um Bar is not the right word because I'm not expecting them to like keep one-upping themselves every episode here. But the the sea of potential for this show got a bunch bigger yeah. with these two episodes. Yeah. Um, where they where they can take it, where the possibilities that they can take this show have become way different than what they were previously. Um, and, and kudos to them. Like I loved it. It was really good.
1: Great. Yeah, I, I mean, these were two excellent episodes. Um, honestly, when when music plays a central role, I think I said this earlier. It 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 it's almost always very emotionally affecting. Yeah, um, and I think that's owed almost entirely to Rebecca Sugar. And yeah, I mean, just the it, it's. If we hadn't seen it before, I think that these episodes, particularly the second one, uh, What Was Missing, really announced the show as a artistic, creative endeavor.
2: Yeah. And I wonder, you know, like this is season three of the show and they do about 20 episodes a season. So this is around the 50th episode, basically, that they've created. And that's a milestone in itself for any Mm -hmm. show, frankly. But, you know, this is probably the point at which, like, the business side of television, um, once you hit 50 episodes, I think, like, you get a little more creative control over your own project. Um, And so I'm excited to see, like, what they do with that. Free, freedom, freedom that I assume that they now kind of have a little bit more. Yeah, of.
1: it's 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 creative freedom, and you know you've sort of got a built in viewer base now. So go ahead and experiment and and see what folks are going to want to watch. And yeah, uh, you know you can be much more ambitious later on when you are an established show. And you're not just trying to show the network that you're competent to make cartoons. But now you're actually getting to explore the sort of broad range of creative ways to show what amazing characters these are.
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, So with that, I mean, there's not much more superlative we can drop on this. But um, if you're looking for a couple of episodes to watch of Adventure Time... Uh, these would be two good ones. Oh yeah, absolutely.
1: Very highly recommended. And yeah,
2: way to go, Rebecca Sugar. These kicked ass. Indeed. Um. Well, I think we've hit we've hit all of our points. We've hit we've hit a lot of good stuff. We should probably wrap it up. Yeah, let's call it an episode.
1: All right. So here we are. This is the part where, of course, I always want to say thank you to Will Yates the fantastic electronic musician who provided our intro and outro music. Head over to willyates.bandcamp.com where you can pay what you want for his song Date Night off of his EP, I Know the Feeling, uh, or another EP that he put out more recently. And uh, Will would appreciate the support and we'd appreciate you supporting him. You can also find us all kinds of places online. If you like sending emails, we're podventuretime at gmail.com. We're at podventuretime on Twitter. We've got a Facebook page and a Facebook group called the Treehouse Treasure Room. That's where Ben is maintaining his, uh, it's sort of a wiki at this point regarding yeah. the the uh, the, metaverse. the metaverse
2: that you've created. Yep. 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 Um, I, I will say, I, I think we, I, I kind of glossed over it. Um Finn's question in the song of like am I a brother to you mm-hmm dovetails nicely with my theories um, yes it does but I mean he does answer he sort of answers the question that like he doesn't see himself as a brother to them perhaps so maybe maybe a conflict I don't know but like certainly uh I liked I liked the overlap is all I'll say absolutely yeah anyway but that's where I do that yeah so uh
1: Head on over to the Treehouse Treasure Room. We want to hear what you think about the metaverse. We want to hear how these songs and these episodes uh, made you feel, made you think. And uh, we, we really enjoy hearing from the folks who are listening to the show. So don't, uh, don't be afraid to shout at us via whichever internet mechanism is your favorite. Uh, this is the part of the podcast where every podcast says rate and review on Apple podcasts. That's a good way for uh, other folks to find out about the show. And uh, if any of you are buddies with Rebecca sugar, please pass along our sincere thanks for creating these episodes.
2: Yep. Yeah, ditto on that. We always love hearing from you. So please do uh, shout at us through your internet shout holes and we will uh, respond for sure. And until we get a chance to respond, I've been Pat. And I've been Ben.
1: And this has been Podventure Time. I'm going to sing a song to you, and I refuse to make it fake. Make no mistake, I'm going to sing a song that feels so real, it'll make this door break.
0: What am I to you? Am I a joke, your knight or your brother? What am I to you? Do you look down on me cause I'm younger? Do you think that I don't understand? I just wanted us together and to blaze a band. Last night was the most fun I've ever had. Even liked it when the two of you would get mad at each other. Oh, you are are, are my best friends in the world best friends in the world and oh, that's right i'm talking about the two of you girls and you jake i want to sing a song to you and i refuse to make it fake what am i to you am i a joke you're not, or your brother what am i do you look down on me cause I'm younger? Do you think that I don't understand? I just wanted us together and to play as a band. I'll forget that I lost a piece of your hair. I'll remember the pasta that we shared over there. Uh, uh you are my best friends in the world. You are my best friends in the world. Oh, that's right. I'm talking about the two of you. gonna sing a song to you and I refuse to make it fake. Make no mistake, I'm gonna sing a song that feels so real, it'll make this door break. <laughs>